Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Welcome. It is good to, yeah, good to be with you and be able to talk about, about strengths. I want to start off. I have a gift for you. A gift? <laughs> I was very inconspicuously hiding it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm very familiar with this album. So because you can't see it on video, um, this is Captain and Tennille Love Will Keep Us Together, which came mm-hmm. out in 1975, the year that I was born. Captain and Tennille has about four albums that their cover photos feature their bulldogs. Um, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Another one, um, the captain is always wearing his captain hat and wow. um, sunglasses. They were married and uh, since divorced. Um, so I've always thought that this album cover is interesting because I believe his eyes look dilated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. That is lovely. Yes. So I found it. I was went to this... Um, this record shop in Council Bluffs that I found and it was like the most let's see it was the (laughs) coolest yet the most overwhelming place I've ever been in was it uh Kane's Collectibles. Uh-huh. Kane's yes. Collectibles in Council you Black. described so it beautifully. <laughs> worth, we'll put it on the Worth mentioning board if you're ever around. And um, if you're ever around in the area and like to look through records. Um, and so I found several um, iterations of this album there. And of course I knew that you would just be able to rat off all sorts of statistics and facts for me about them. But it was in one Jen and Millie episode we talked about this album and that song Mm -hmm. um and i remember linking it and so when i saw it i was like oh this is perfect i'll have to get a a copy for Allie." they're like um they're kind of one hit wonders Mm -hmm. they have a couple other songs love will keep us together is one of the most um popular and on that album probably Mm -hmm. for sure the most and then they have another song called muskrat love um (laughs) that I, I would not recommend for anyone, really. Um, but I this is the one song that I will rock out to in my car at any time um, and sing along very loudly. And uh, I've got a great memory from Vegas when uh, we were there with some friends, and we were at a piano bar, and one of the pianists, you know, he shouted out, what song do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear? And I said, Captain and Tennille. And he turns and looks and he said, who would say that? <laughs> who likes Captain and Tennille? And I proudly raised my hand. Just that song. Um, but this is a, it's a great album cover because it just so encapsulates 1975 uh-huh. um, when I was born, um, the year I was born, the trends the clothing, the hairstyle. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like I said, they always feature their bulldogs. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Thank love it. you. So, that was yes. so sweet of you to think of that. <laughs> it's been, like, in my apartment for, the, like, two months probably. And oh. I've been like, oh, next time. And then I missed it, like, the last time we recorded 
here in the office. Otherwise, we've been recording on the road, and I just have been like, this isn't, you know, those are interviews, just a different kind of recording. So I knew I needed the right time as well to, to give it to you. So I remember this morning, and I've been sneaking it around because you and I kind of live in close quarters in the office. So I was trying to keep it hidden, try to sneak it into the recording area beforehand. So And we have been on the road. We've been traveling a lot. I yeah. think this is probably the most I've ever ever traveled for work Um, and it's been really really good lots of learning Mm -hmm. lots of podcast time for me in the um, car so hopefully for anybody who's listening in if it's part of your travel time one of the things I've learned is during an Ira Glass interview on Dak Shepard's armchair experts Ira Glass was very critical of the time Hmm. the amount of time Wow. Um, that Dak Shepard has for his podcasts. And Ira yeah. said, y- you need to be cognizant of how much time people have to listen to a podcast. And I thought, really? so if you are spending your time listening, we are grateful um, and thankful. And hopefully you'll take some learning from it as well. I love that. I love the arguments that people have for against certain amounts of time because I personally love longer podcasts. So when do you listen to longer Oh, so I listen to them during, like, my drive time, but it'll split them up. And I think I like that because of my intellection. Yeah. Like, it allows me to think about one topic over a longer period of time. So I have one um, one example of a podcast I listen to, The Liturgists, and their episodes are a minimum of an hour. Most of them, the one I'm listening to right now is an hour and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. this one episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's very, like, heavy theologically, and they get into really good debates, and it's kind of, a, of an overarching topic usually sometimes there's an interview there are four hosts on it and so they have great conversation and I really enjoy longer podcasts because sometimes like 20-30 minute podcasts will be great because it's really good chunks of information but I with my drive time I'll listen to two or three of them in a day so Mm -hmm. then my brain just keeps moving on to new subjects and new learning Mm -hmm. which is fun but I enjoy soaking in one topic for a longer period of time so I like when there's continued conversation around one thing so you would like uh, armchair expert because they're usually two hours Um, the first hour is the interview and then the next 40 minutes or so is what they call fact check which is to go back Mm -hmm. and talk about the things. And it's not as much fact check as it used to be. It used to be a lot around the things that Dak said that weren't true um, around numbers and exaggerations. But now it's more going back to the content and talking about, you referenced this TV show. That TV show came out in 1985, and here's who starred in it. You referenced this movie. You referenced this. Hmm. And Monica and Dax go back, and it's just the two of them on the um, fact check. And they talk through things that maybe didn't get covered. So the most recent that I, the Ira Glass one was really good, but I'm thinking of the one with um, Amy Schumer where it kind of ended on a sour note. And then Monica and Dax went back and talked about that and talked about what happened since then. So it's an hour interview, and then later they come back and do about 45 minutes where they're listening to their podcast and doing some takeaways and you would really like that, I think, just because of the, the constant, the continual learning. If you like mm-hmm. the overtime frames learning, what I've found in the travel time is that I like to have a podcast, but then I need some time to think about it while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. But my, if I'm driving just here, my drive time is going to be so choppy yep. that I don't know that I could really. Mm-hmm. 
get in it. Yeah. Yep. And so it also depends on, for me, how long I have to drive. So if I'm just going down to grab coffee or, like, I went to go mentor today, and Mm -hmm. so that's a two-minute drive, I'm not going to put on a podcast during that time, even though it may help me chip away at the hour, 45-minute podcast I'm listening to right Mm -hmm. now. It doesn't – for me, that's not meaningful. I need, like, a minimum maybe, like, 10 minutes. And what's your commute Um, here? My commute is 15 minutes. Yeah. So I get a good half hour most days in the commute to here, but I still, I don't want to get in it and then not get back to it. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll lose so much. Yeah. But I do mm. sometimes when I'm getting ready, um, I like to listen to some. And recently I have found that by listening to Dax or listening to any other podcast, I learn about others. Yeah. So yeah. I started a list, um, one in particular I think I shared with you that I, I think would be just really great for people to listen to is Radio Lab, which is um, Ira on the on the Dax podcast said he is not jealous and it's okay to talk about Radio Lab in front of him. So Dax did, <laughs> but there's an episode called Blame and it's really fascinating. A fascinating story about for there's they're in three parts. And it's a fascinating story about forgiveness. Um, a gentleman lost his daughter. Uh, she was murdered. And he um, became friends with her murderer. And wow. Wow. the power of forgiveness. And um, recently I've been kind of looking into that a little bit myself, particularly around this time of year. And there was an article I just read about how forgiveness has to start with self-compassion before mm-hmm. others. So just today I tried to own a mistake that I made But I will say I spent most of the weekend kind of dwelling on it, like rehashing why did I do that or why didn't I think of that ahead or my empathy, knowing how others might feel, why wasn't that on my trajectory to prevent how someone else might have felt and kind of beating myself up over it and reading and reflecting on forgiveness is you have to have some self-compassion. So the whole concept of growth mindset, which we talk about a lot, mm-hmm. has to start within. So the forgiveness of I made a mistake, but owning it. And then one of the things that I loved, we had time Friday um, to spend with um, some of our staff um, talking about strengths and the power of giving um, people opportunities to reflect on people who have helped them get to where they are today. And I used a phrase that I haven't used a lot, but um, that people are not self-made, they're help-made. And so in the season of gratitude, one of the things that I'm working on, I try to be very intentional of, of praising and thanking people who have helped me, but to be really intentional this week about reaching out to those who have helped me to get to where I am today because it did not come from me. It came from a lot of people who have invested in me and forgiven me and given me second chances when I make plenty of mistakes so um it started with that the podcast on blame I love that so we talked just a lot about this like at church and in my life it's um a a concept of um um, unforgiveness is Mm -hmm. the term that we use when you have not forgiven someone and the image that's used is you're shackled to them Mm -hmm. and we recently there was a um a sermon recently where my pastor talked about this one man 
who just had so much unforgiveness towards him and it was like 30 years had gone by and he had Facebook messaged him and been like will you just get out of my head yada 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 talking all about how um, he had so much offense and so much anger towards my pastor and all of this stuff and my pastor was like oh gosh I haven't I hadn't even thought about him for the last 30 years yet it had so shackled and hindered this man who felt this unforgiveness and so the whole concept is that your when you harbor unforgiveness it's much more about yourself and it's much more detrimental to yourself than it is to the actual person who you feel like has made offense against you so the offender hadn't thought about it for 30 years but the offendee had thought about mm-hmm. it constantly and it wasn't even a true offense and so it was. It's one of those things. There, there's an image within the restoration event that mm-hmm. um, that I that you had um, gone to, and about the um, about like bungee jumping and how you have these ropes and cords that are connected to you, mm-hmm. um, and that is what unforgiveness does. Is it shackles and it binds mm-hmm. you, um, and it weighs you down. And so, and it's only when you truly forgive forgiveness isn't necessarily for the other person that might be reconciliation Mm -hmm. but forgiveness is about freeing yourself from what has been hindering you within that blame cycle so part of the work that I've been doing um and I can say this here uh with Al-Anon is about making amends Hmm. and oftentimes we don't realize when we have offended or hurt and so back to this week when it became very evident to me that someone was upset by my careless thought that I hadn't did not think in my head was that big of a deal was a big deal um, I had to put myself in the shoes of Mm -hmm. the person who felt offended and try to make amends for that and try to say I hear you and I understand where you are I can't do anything about whether or not they forgive me yeah. I can only say I am sorry for that. I I hear you. I recognize it. But what you decide to do from here with that is is up, up to you. you. Mm-hmm. And to own it publicly is sometimes really hard for me. Um, not because I think I'm perfect, and not because I'm not good at, in my opinion, being pretty raw and real about the massive mistakes I make. But recognizing when. There's a difference between what I think is right, as we've kind of talked about, mm-hmm. and wrong, and what other people see as right or wrong, and how to really extend grace. Yeah. To, I mean, in my head, how we got from A to B was best for the group and the other person, people, plural, mind, it was not the right path. So that concept of right versus wrong um, was a great reminder to me of how important it is to step back and think who else else might have wanted to feel included, aware, have information disclosed to them, and how hurtful it can be if they're not. So, and I know for me, when that's happened to me, when information hasn't been disclosed to me, I've gotten pretty riled about it. And... So I, I had the opportunity to make amends by saying, I get you, I hear you, and I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good lesson for me, a, re- a really good lesson in making amends and um, trying not to do necessarily the right or wrong thing, but do something that recognizes that the other person felt wronged. Yeah, 
Yep, mm -hmm. that's good. I'm going to pause it. So one of the other things that I hope that we would talk about a little bit today is to give some amazing credit to Hope in Columbus, who puts together some pretty impressive, if I do say so myself, Friday focus emails. And to be quite honest, I looked forward to every Friday focus that I got from Bob for the last couple of years, um, saved them all, um, a little bit of strength spotting of input, saved them all um, because there were times when a mentor would reach out and I'd think, oh, I can send them that Friday focus. This was long before the mentor resource library and even my role. And what I've loved is some of the pieces that Hope is putting together, they're, they're really, really good. Um, one a couple weeks ago was about the concept of slacktivism, um, developed around 95 to 2000, um, the practice of supporting a political or social cause by means such as social media or online petitions, very little effort or commitment. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> um, a great way to talk about what does it mean how can we as mentors have conversations with our mentee? And I loved this statement that was in that email. Through your time and commitment to teammates, you put your compassion into action. And if you notice the match support email that came out was around compassion connection and the way we have conversations around compassionate conversations. So I thought that was really good. And then she sent out recently, um, this is part of the reason we're here, is because of our generational differences. And there have been a couple things that have come up recently around Generation Z. And so um, this was a great resource that I think we'll probably look um, at even a little bit closer. Um, Gen Z was born between the mid-90s and early 2000s. Um, they'll be turning 18 between 2013 and 2027. 65 million Generation Z. By 2020, they'll account for 40% of all consumers in the United States. Wow. So when we think about that, we were at a training session with um, another awesome coordinator, Terry, who was telling us about iGen, the book iGen, mm -hmm. and how important it is students today feel a sense of safety. And so it got me thinking about how we have seen so much deliberative show up in high school students recently, yeah. which has surprised us. And we didn't really, I don't think, have a hypothesis yet on why. Mm -hmm. But the concept of safety, that makes a lot of sense. So when you think about overwhelming sources of, I mean, I don't want to limit it just to screens, but overwhelming sources of information that yeah. are part of students' lives today and the way they're trying to process it, and then everything that is fearful mm -hmm. today. And so I can see why deliberative might be showing up a little bit because it means let's pause. Mm -hmm. And I think let's step back a second and, and take a breath. If this particular generation is looking for safety, where do they find it? Mm -hmm. Is the pause in searching for it? Is it looking for that? I think about my own littles in my life who are not littles anymore and the way how intentional they look for safety and structure yeah. how good it's been for them hmm. how dependent they have become on it so and it was a very interesting thought and I'm excited to read the book I Jen 
because it did align so much with the interesting patterns that we've noticed in strengths. And I think it's something that's different than what we maybe make assumptions about um, because we don't know a lot about this Generation Z and because I think we make a lot of assumptions that they're millennials but a little bit worse, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they're the next generation, but they aren't. Um, And so I think it's really really good to think about um, their, you know, overall characteristics while not trying to put them in a box. Um, But but thinking about what is, you know, I love the... um, the activity from Gallup, the best of me, mm-hmm. you know, this, you get the best of me when you get the worst of me when this is what I need from you and you can count on me too. And I think those are some of the most important questions we can ever learn to answer about ourselves. But I also think there are lots of patterns in generations, right? Which mm-hmm. is why we see these kinds of assumptions like Generation Z, um, you know, seems to be primarily independent. You know, it's good to notice that and to know that it helps to explain just like strengths does. It helps us to put behavior into perspective in a larger construct of of who people are and how they choose to function what choices they make um, what does their behavior look like I liked this um, thought around how I mean this is a generation that was born completely within technology yes mm-hmm. um, the war on terror and multiculturalism yes so when I mm. think about just the perspective that my son and daughter even have, and my mentee has, they've taught me a lot because I've been willing to listen to their perspective. They've also been really good at telling me what I, where I might be assuming. Yeah. Um, we had a conversation this weekend, and later on I was hearing Lauren describe the conversation that we had had to someone else. And the way that she described how the conversation went, how I don't see how I am. I don't realize what my strengths always look like in projection. So, and I think I'm fairly self-aware when it comes to my strengths. I've been practicing this for a while, but she was explaining a scenario where she had told her dad and Abby something, and she told them first, and she talked to someone else, and she talked to someone else, and she got advice from someone else, and then she brought the conversation to me and because of the questions that I would have she wanted to be prepared for the answers Wow! and Mm. I thought about that a lot because in my head I think oh my goodness you know why wouldn't my kids want to bring something to me why wouldn't people see me as open-minded or open to conversation because my questions feel like overwhelming and so to hear Lauren describe that, it gave me an opportunity to self-reflect and really think about what we ask mentors to do, to really dig deep and think about the way that our strengths look in the mirror are often very different than the way that they come across to others. Yeah. And I don't know that I'll ever have enough practice in that hmm. because using them as tools in the way that the phenomenally brilliant young lady in Clearwater Orchard, who is a junior in high school described her command she said I don't have to show up with this all the time it's a tool Hmm, and I know when to rest it because it's not always going to feel like a strength to other people yeah and that really helped me um, to kind of think about the ways that how I project my strengths or the best of me even that best of me exercise 
is a great self-reflection, but also to share it with someone is really where it counts. Mm -hmm. When you sit across from someone who regularly interacts with you and to think about how they may see yeah. You get the best of me when might not be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like people get the best of me when my questions are answered. Hmm. That might not be how they feel they get the best of me. Yeah. So it was really helpful to think through that. Um, just lots of learning in the last 72 hours for sure that I wasn't mm-hmm. really expecting. Um, mm-hmm. And a great opportunity to be humbled. Yeah. Really humbled. Um, hmm. Really humbled. Yeah. That was good. That's good. And I think those, um, I got the opportunity to go on a retreat on Saturday at the Benedictine Center in Schuyler, Nebraska. And it was about spiritual pathways. And um, one of my favorite things, which it was great looking towards the future and goal setting. But one of my favorite things was we took a look back at the entire year. We were supposed to bring our calendars and I wanted to go completely technology free for this retreat. So I actually sat down Friday night and made a paper calendar of the entire last year, (laughs) which is a bit like counteractive to what I always say. But since I wanted to go technology free, I had printed out just monthly calendar templates and just went through and wrote down everything from January till now, mm-hmm. um, which was a lot. So it was really good to, <laughs> to look back on and to reflect. But we got to go back and write down times of consolation. So times where we were moving towards God, um, times where we felt in flow, these things, you know, kind of, you know, for me, it's from a spiritual perspective, um, but just also times where we felt happy and we felt pure joy. Um, so things like that. But then we then we went through and we looked at times of desolation. And those times stick out a lot more quickly, mm-hmm. right? I was thinking when, you know, when we were going back, I really had to look at my calendar and say, okay, where were these times of consolation in my life? Like I really had to look and actually like see the content and think, oh yeah, that was a good time. Like starting off with Scott's Bluff and working with their board and strengths. That mm-hmm. was a great time of consolation for me, getting to recognize maybe the gap areas and help them to work through those things. Um, but then, you know, then as soon as she said we are going to do this with desolations, times where you were maybe moving against the will of God or away from God or times where you felt struggle, times where you weren't functioning in your strengths, um, those came a lot more quickly. I needed a lot less time to fill out that sheet mm-hmm. versus the times of consolation. And But what I loved about it is that we got to use both of the answers to those Um, times you know to those lists of consolations and desolations to say what were some things that I needed to be taught throughout the year as a result of these things and oftentimes we can think of our times of desolation they're really good lesson times right these Mm -hmm. times that we you know the world says we fail it's all about growth mindset right we don't have failures we have great learning opportunities and I feel like that was for us kind of this mutually shared oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. We totally overlooked things and it really did have a negative impact. Um, Being able to look back and say, okay, I easily know the lesson from this. But then also, I think I had a a very interesting time looking for what were the lessons in the consolations. Mm -hmm. And I was so surprised at how correlated they were to the lessons I learned from my desolations. Gratitude. Right? Yes. Uh So the times where I was in desolation were times where I talked about how, or I, um, I had this kind of revelation that, you know, I might be functioning in my calling, 
but I'm not stepping in obedience and I must have both in order to be in consolation and so from the lessons that we learned you know I noticed that in the consolations because when something really good would happen I'd be using my strengths and it was what I was supposed to do Mm -hmm. when it was in desolation I might have been using my strengths but I was it was not what I was supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. I should have said no I should have put up boundaries Um, I should have you know whatever Mm -hmm. whatever that was you know um, those times of desolation but so it was interesting how they were kind of flipped they were the same thing but just in a positive and negative sense and how easy it was to pick up on patterns Mm -hmm. but from that those both of those reflections we created signposts for our spiritual path walk you know the path that we're on these signposts that can help us to notice before we get to those times of desolation what needs to happen so mine was I need to be stepping in calling and obedience right I need to step out in both things and so I think as much as we it's a total growth mindset thing to look at our quote-unquote failures and say what can I learn from this but I think it's a strengths-based mindset to look at what are our successes mm-hmm. and what can we learn from this and when we take the two in tandem we often find such beautiful correlations between the two mm-hmm. to be able to see okay the times when I was doing really well in my life or had a great moment of joy is oftentimes my behaviors or my actions or my intentions are the exact opposite of the times where I felt a lack of joy or felt a dissonance in my life. So um, this is part of a daily practice for me with morning ritual and evening ritual. And I quarterly take my written calendars out and look at what what has gone well, what could be improved. Um, It's practice that a lot of the Um, books that I read on a regular basis, The Simple Abundance, which I talk about a lot, but I'm currently reading Rebecca Ray, um, which is a book about happiness, but it's so much about personal reflection. Mm -hmm. And in my year, this year, the word of the year that I choose, I look back and say, where did I, did I practice this word? Did I, was I intentional about this word? Sure. And then um, in the morning, I look at, um, I just read a quote about how sleep is such a, um, a gift because it heals a lot and it allows us to process information. And then when I wake up in the morning, I have a focus for the day. But at the end of the day, um, and this kind of leads me to Brene Brown and uh, Courage to Lead book, gratitude is a, it's a concept that people love to, uh, to say, yep, we're practicing gratitude, we're practicing gratitude, but it's truly a practice. Yeah. So every day, every night, I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I have a journal um, right next to my bed. And sometimes it's, you know, the feel of clean sheets or it could be um, Thai food, whatever it is. But what I've tried to do is look for a moment of growth. And so I know today that being brave about sending an email that made me nervous about owning a mistake is going to be part of my gratitude. Yeah. Because it's part of the struggle, which we did really well when we talked about Gallup Strengths Day. Mm-hmm. What didn't work, and we owned it. What didn't work, where where we could grow from yeah, that. Yeah. And that I have gratitude for because it's owning. We're not trying to cover up that it didn't go well, or we're not trying to dance around. Mm-hmm. Not When you own that publicly or you own that to others, it makes it a lot easier to own it within yourself as a true growth mindset moment yes. and true gratitude for the learning. Mm-hmm. When we can say out loud, I'm sorry this wasn't the experience that I had hoped it would be, or I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that this happened, it wasn't what I intended. But I think 
gratitude as a practice is really important. Um, there is a lot, there are a lot of ways that people can practice gratitude. Um, I'm going to be very intentional this week, always during Thanksgiving week, about reaching out to others and saying, thank you, I'm grateful for you. Um, a lot of people in my life probably hear that phrase a lot, but I feel like at the end of days, I would want for people to know yeah. that their influence has been of such significance mm -hmm. that it's not taken lightly that um, I just reached out to Roseanne I hope you all read grief and gratitude mm -hmm. but I just reached out to Roseanne today I am so constantly grateful for her willingness to be so raw and real publicly about loss yeah. and what mm -hmm. grief looks like and it looks different on everybody but just what in her book is grief and gratitude and I think she's she's really had to dig deep into her strengths, but also into her blind spots and into those moments of, of growth and learning when there's not a lot she can do yeah. about the current cir circumstance. I think some days, wow, you know, today was really hard or I'm really upset about this or this really frustrated me. And then I think, okay, really? Mm -hmm. That's what you're getting upset about that's what you're frustrated about you're lucky that you have this you're lucky that you have this struggle um and I was thinking also during our um staff event on Friday we are so lucky Tess I don't know that there is a single person that I interact with that does not love what they do and being part of an organization that does mm. for others yeah. So when we do some of the activities, I don't think we can possibly imagine what would, it would be to go, like, do an activity with someone who really hated their job. Yeah. If you would have seen me in, and I dearly love Davidson Agency Insurance, <laughs> but if you would have seen me sitting there those days mm -hmm. in that office entering deck sheets, I was miserable at my job. And when people think about everybody's had a job they've hated, you don't see that here. Mm -mm. But with that comes a lot of passion, and with that comes a lot of intention, and with that comes a lot on people's plates. And so balls are going to be dropped. Yeah. And to extend grace is really important, and I think um, had some mm -hmm. learning lessons about that. Mm -hmm. So practicing this is, mm -hmm. I think, for some of us, it's a lot easier to practice gratitude when things are good. Yep, <laughs> for sure. But to practice gratitude mm -hmm. around those moments of desolation that's mm -hmm. where the true practice is. Can mm -hmm. I be grateful for the times I was mad? Can I be grateful for the times I was frustrated? And what did I learn yeah. from that? That's good. It's important. Yeah. It's so, I was so reminded of this, the simplicity of gratitude, but the power of it. When I was with my mentee today, I got this great activity at the Northern Regional Summit from Ann and Wisner. And um, it was uh, just a Skittles thankfulness and we've probably all seen a lot of skittles activities about if you draw this color of a skittle answer this question um, but it was just one with a framework of thankfulness and um, and thanksgiving and so you know if you drew a purple one you had to name a person you were grateful for if you drew a green it was a thing um, if you drew a red one it was an event or a moment um, if it was an orange one it was something about yourself that you're thankful mm -hmm. for and um 
and I was excited to do it with with my mentee just in order to foster more conversation about gratitude and I was blown away by her responses to some things Um, and I often asked her why why are you thankful for those things but there was one of them where it was her first green one and she'd been wanting a green skittle for a long time because those are her favorite to eat mine too and it was about a thing Um, and her very first thing that she was thankful for were her shoes and I said why And she said, well, some people don't have shoes on their feet to wear. And she said, you know, the the pavement could be 100 degrees outside and it could burn your feet. Or it could be negative degrees outside and it could freeze your feet. And I'm just so glad that I have something that protects me from that. And I just like, I'm like sitting here listening to her and I am like, oh my gosh. Like there's just so much to look around and be thankful for, right? The fact that you're listening to this means you have you're you know you're you have enough resources to have a piece of technology to listen to this podcast you know which means you're probably in the upper one percent of the world in terms of wealth and oftentimes I think gosh I could use a lot more money in my life you know Mm -hmm. it could be less burdensome to make more money or to have more in my savings account or um but it's but I have so many resources at my disposal Mm -hmm. and I so often overlook those. So shoes was one, her coat was another, to be warm when she walks outside. And she's from a lower income family, but it's not like they want for any of that. She's never wanted for any of it, but she has it in her mind that a lot of people do. A lot of people do want for it, right? Oh, and that was the first person she said she was thankful for was her mom. Um, and I that asked her why is because she loves her. <laughs> that is, um, it's really hard today to provide examples of enough. What yeah. is enough? Because yeah. we all just want more. And whether that more is with knowledge, power, status, technology those the my the most minor of inconveniences really frustrate us um, in a day of, of technology being right at our our fingertips mm-hmm. the slightest inconvenience not being able to log on or get the Wi-Fi at a coffee shop <laughs> I mean the sl- yeah. traffic in your vehicle yeah. that you are stuck in I mean the slightest of inconveniences really rattle us today Mm-hmm. And th- I think the purity of her perspective, yeah. I mean, that is who she is. And yeah. I hope that's a forever thing. Um, it's so beautiful <laughs> to witness and hear about. But her strength of caring. Yeah. I mean, she it's coming from a place of genuine yes. care for mm-hmm. others to consider the fact that other people don't have shoes. Yeah. I mean, that's you can't teach empathy. No. Um, you can hope that... She just has it. She yep, just has it. She does. And I think that um, that activity, which we'll add to the uh, worth mentioning, I've seen that multiple places. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hannah has done such a great job with some of our activity ideas. I think it's made the Facebook page before. I think so, um, yeah. But that mm-hmm. is, that's a great one to that's consider. So would be a great one to do at your Thanksgiving dinner table. And um, it was it was really fun because we then started doing it for each other when we started getting a little like bored with it she loves to change game the game up a little bit Mm -hmm. or change the rules so then whichever color 
we drew the other person had to answer about us. So my mentee had to tell me a person that I'm thankful for, that she's heard me talk about in my life. Oh, jeez. And I had to talk, you know, <laughs> about a moment in her life that I've heard her share about. So I talked, she went, you know, to a trip, on a trip to Disney World last mm-hmm. summer. She was invited by a friend. So I talked about that it was a great moment. One of my, my favorite one, one that I have never spent a whole lot of time maybe expressing gratitude for was places places that you're thankful for so my first one was my little Hugay apartment that's this little tiny cozy place that I just love and is so full of comfort and I talked about Denmark and getting to live there for seven months and just how much I love that place and just all of these things that I never I never think I think about people I think about maybe tangible resources but what else like moments Mm -hmm. in your life that you're thankful for Mm -hmm. places and spaces that Mm -hmm. that you're, you have gratitude for, um, things that you, you love about yourself. I love that that was one of them because we talked about strengths. Mm-hmm. It was a simple conversation about strengths. We both first drew an orange Skittle, which was something that you're thankful for in yourself. Those were, we both drew orange right away. Um, so we got to talk about our strengths and how we're grateful for them. So I think that's a great lead into um, what I saw is very powerful on Friday w- around we spent time in recognition and recognizing others and just how beautiful it is when people get to name what is right about someone else. And um, we all had the opportunity to give bucket drops. I had to read mine aloud because there are a couple reasons I do that one. It's, of course, my communication, but we've always done on your birthday three things that you love about the person. Or anytime the kids would fight, I would stop them and I'd say, okay, right now I need three things that you love about your brother mm-hmm. um, or three things you love about your sister. Or if they were mad at their dad, I need three things that you love about your dad. And saying it and acknowledging it out loud mm-hmm. is especially in when the person is in the same container as you, the same yeah. space as you. Yeah. That is such a great, beautiful memory cue that later on I've heard you know, from others is powerful. You know, three things that I love about you shouldn't just happen on a birthday. No. Um, and it's no. a lot easier for us to come up with the three things that drove me nuts about you today. Yeah. Um, but to watch that and watch the interaction and watch the way that people felt being mm-hmm. recognized, their willingness to hear it, their willingness to accept it and embrace it and say thank you. Yeah. Um, because sometimes when we get a compliment, we'll fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that recognition piece, I was so glad was such an, a, an important part of the day and the yeah. way that we closed the day so mm-hmm. that everyone could leave feeling like they matter, yeah. that they're important uniquely, mm-hmm. that they bring such a, a unique contribution, um, particularly one of our staff members who's very young and new mm-hmm. and um, hasn't even had a review yet. That really yeah. stood out to me. Yeah. And that she could hear what we see in her. Mm-hmm. already already mm-hmm. so um i i would like for those that are listening to consider that mm-hmm. as a um a gratitude gift that they could give someone um between now and thanksgiving ish um thanksgiving doesn't end for us for quite a while so we always call it thanksgiving month um <laughs> we have so many family events but over the course of the holidays think about who could you give that recognition to and really mean it. Yeah. You know, look at the person and really mean it. And mm-hmm. um, a bucket drop is a great way to do it. You could send an email. You could send um, a note. You could call them. Note. Yeah, handwritten <laughs> notes are awesome. Oh. Or you could sit across from them and use some Skittles. 
um, whatever it takes. But I think um, considering that gift of recognition and praise and gratitude so that more people have the opportunity mm-hmm. to not sit in desolation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that they can hear those moments that they have yeah. done well um, and grown and been a model um, to others that um, that might be one of their reflections mm-hmm. if they're sitting where you are. We yeah. have a lot. We have a huge responsibility mm-hmm. as humans in the words that we choose. That's really good. Oh, I love that. So we would love for that to be really a takeaway, a follow-up for you all. Um, uh, first, let us know if you're listening. We have this um, <laughs> continual question of who's listening to us. We would love to know. So if you're listening, um, send us a message on Instagram. Email us. Um, at, um, at teammates. You can find us on the teammates.org website and shoot us a message there. Or if you know our emails, feel free. Um, or follow us on Instagram and comment on this post. We'd love to hear that as well. Um, and then really for a follow-up, we would love for you to offer one piece of meaningful recognition um, this week for the Thanksgiving holiday. And we know um, and have noticed there are a few international listeners. So for those of you internationally that are listening in, gratitude, we, I love that we talked about it this week because it is Thanksgiving, but it's something we can practice no matter if we're intentionally celebrating it because we celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving or not. Um, so offer a piece of meaningful recognition to someone um, over the next week, and we would love to hear how that goes. Um, So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 29 of Jen and Millie. Um, We are new to the podcasting world again. We're trying to figure this out, who actually listens, who follows, how to balance sound, um, for example, (laughs) has been a huge desolation that I'm learning from. Um, So please give us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. To interact with us, let us know who you are um, and let us know how your moments of meaningful recognition go. Um, And to share the questions that we posed on this episode, please follow us on Instagram at Jenna Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-E. Until next time.